Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Wednesday, June 8th, 2016, and today we are reading from the big book. Uh, we are currently on page 68, uh, starting with the first paragraph. We're going to read through two paragraphs. The, uh, the reference number, I, sh I should say, Today's readers uh, are, we have uh, Rita P. on the 12 Steps and Janice M. on the 12 Traditions. And the readers of the text, <clears throat> we have Linda R., Judy F., and Mary K. W. The reference number for uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, June 7th, is 8807. That's 8807. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And to add a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask uh, Rita P. to read the 12 steps. Rita? Good morning, everybody. This is Rita P., a grateful, very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater in Arkansas. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Rita. Okay, now we have the magnificent Janice M. <laughs> is going to read us these, these traditions. Janice? Good morning to you, Larry. Um, my name is uh, Janice, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should forever should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thanks so much, Janice. We are not a glum lot. Uh, Okay, (laughs) how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions uh, for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, just press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. And then, you know, mute your phone again by pressing star one. In order to have a quiet meeting, uh, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are gonna resume our study of the big book. And here's where we're at. We're on page 68, starting with the first paragraph. And Linda's gonna read uh, that first paragraph on 68. Then she's gonna read the the next paragraph and we're gonna focus our comments on the second paragraph. So Linda, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I'm waiting. All right. Thanks. Okay, Larry, thank you so much for your service today. Linda R. recovered in South Florida. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. 
Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity. So in our discussion, you know, prior to the second paragraph, fear was, you know, the core issue, you know, about of the disease. And for me, I just want to share that fear was really real to me, you know, stemmed from my family of origin. I would say that that was the crux of my disease, stemmed from fear, shame, and shame induction. On the outside, I was always very happy, smiling and looked great, but inside I was petrified, having anxiety and shaking. And then when I came into the program, yes, perhaps there is a better way. We think so. I want to, you know, point out that the, one of the assignments that my sponsor gave me was in the chapters before, I had to circle the word I, because it was I, 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 and she even sang the song, I, 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 you know, she used to, like, really point out these things to me that I was very into self. And now in these next chapters, there are loads of we, because that word we is the cultivation of the fellowship and the reliance on something greater than me, because infinite the infinity is also the group for me. A part of my higher power cultivation is relying on the fellowship of this program. So that's, I wanted to point out that word we is all through the rest of this book. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite. Now that word infinity, you know, it's boundless. Me, I'm limitless, unlimited. So if I cultivate this in my second step, I come to believe in a power greater than myself. I'm cultivating infinity for me, the infinite higher power. And of course, I know that that is a personal higher power because when I came in, I had no clue. As a result of working the steps, and especially now I'm in steps 10, 11, and 12, I get closer to my higher power who is very, very, very designed for Linda, who I keep, you know, adding more attributes to so that I can trust this infinite God rather than finite me. Finite me, I have boundaries. You know, I'm not God. We are in the world to play the role that he assigns. Now, that role to me is working my 12 uh, principles of steps. You know, if I, when I am not in alignment with that design for life, then I, I know immediately because my consciousness, my I get this feeling of discomfort immediately when I'm not in alignment with working the principles of the program. To me, that's my moral fiber, and that was pointed out to me as I worked these steps, and I do, I continue to work them every day. And that, that role is also doing maximum service to God and to my fellow man. That's step 12. Just to the extent that we do, as we think he would have us, we humbly rely on him. Now, another thing, you know, when I did this, Step seven, you know, I had to really accept both parts of me. And sometimes they, other things crop up on a daily basis and I have to go right back to, you know, the beginning and really work on the humility, which I didn't understand either. But that also took a lot of work for me too. And the key statement is, does he enable me to match us to a, match calamity with serenity? And that's what I was just trying to share, that on a daily basis, 
Life is not charmed. Life will have problems. However, because I have the program and the, the foundation and the core to really work this design for living in my life, when things do come up, I can, you know, really go right to the, you know, to the steps and really match this calamity with serenity and whatever it might be. I might have just, you know, trouble with my children. I might have trouble with my health, whatever it might be. At that point, I'm able to really go right to the principles of the steps, work it, use the fellowship, take all the things that I have learned in my toolbox of program and really apply them, you know, and really work them. And, you know, this is not a theory. When, this, when it happens, it's action. So I, I have to tap into everything and use what I've learned in the program, ask God to help me and guide me and direct me, and then I can match the calamity, which will come up, as it says in the big book, and it will on a daily basis. And thank you to allow, allowing me to share. Also, I want to say that though, when I do this, I am very peaceful and serene. Thank you very much. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate that. So again, we're going to focus our comments on that, uh, that second paragraph on page 68. So who would like to share? This Mr. is Can I share? Melissa C. Paula D. Tina S. Leah M. All right, you should see my pen, man. It's moving. It's rocking and rolling. Okay, here's what I heard, and I probably missed somebody, so my apologies. I heard Bella, I heard Melissa, I heard Paula, Tina, Leah, and Carol G. Who else did I miss? Nessa R. Okay, Nessa. Anybody else? Okay, let's... Let's start with that. So here's what I'm going to ask with great love and kindness and compassion. If you would just uh, start, uh, uh, mute yourself um, until uh, it's your turn, and we appreciate that in advance. So let's start with Miss Bella. Bella, you're up. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service. And you are amazing how you can remember and get all those names. Wow, I am impressed. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. Such a wonderful, peaceful paragraph. And I will talk about the basis of trusting and relying upon God. The basis. You know, it's so important, the basis. It's like when... We build a, a tower. The basis has to be so strong to be able to hold the whole, the whole tower, tower. And this is the basis. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. The basis of my life is today relying and trusting God. And today, by living the 12 steps, yes, I am connected to a loving and accepting power. I am connected to God, and today I trust God, and I learn to accept myself, to love myself, and to trust myself. And yes, I trust myself that I am not perfect, and I will never be perfect, and nobody is perfect beside God. And today I know that, you know, God loves me and accepts me the way I am, and today my job is to work with myself, on myself, 
to do better one day at a time. And today, I trust God. Today, I am not in competition. Today, I am not in a war with God. Today, I am not jealous at God. Today, I trust God that He wants and He does the best for me. And this is why today I can rely on God. Today I know that I am powerless. I have only one power to choose, to choose to be connected to a loving and accepting power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella, for your share. Okay, so next we will have uh, Melissa, followed by Paula. Melissa, it's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Day Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, uh, you know, when I think about um, trusting infinite God over my finite self, I really, um, it like kind of speaks to the child inside of me, you know, who I want what I want, when I want it, and I can only see, I have a very skewed, you know, vision. I can only see me, you know, my needs, uh, what I think is right to be mine, what I deserve. And, um, you know, and, and because I'm finite, um, I can't see the whole picture. And, um, and so, you know, life is going to happen. I'm not always going to get my way, but I have to trust that the way that it unfolds is exactly as it's meant to unfold. And so, you know, we're promised um, that we can match calamity with serenity, not that we can skip calamity, you know, and that's kind of the my old um, immature prayers, you know, where God was genie, um, and so I could pray, and I could skip the calamity, and, you know, and then I would get really pissed off at this God, because I wasn't getting what I wanted, and it wasn't fair, and I should have it, you know, almost like, like a child. I think about my kids, you know, when they grow a little sick that they're not getting their way. And even though, um, you know, it might look like I should have gotten my way. Why should I? Um, but this is where, you know, we, I have, I have faith in, in God and in the universe. And, you know, in some of the great tragedies of my life, some of the things that really went wrong, um, you know, years and years later, it, it is exactly as it's meant to be. And so now, you know, my charge is that um, I can match calamity with serenity. I, even in the midst of the storm, there's like a quiet calmness inside of me that I know it's all going to be okay. Um, and then, you know, and so now when I come out of the storm, as I always do, um, now I have a responsibility, you know, to be there um, for other people in the midst of their storm with maybe an umbrella, you know, with maybe some loving words. And um, and that's really my focus today. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, we'll have Paula next, followed by Tina. Paula, good morning. And good morning to you, and thank you for your service. This would be Paula D., and recovered by and with the grace of God. And I'll come right along here. You know, you almost want to get your your hand and go, thank goodness there's another paragraph. Because <laughs> when I fi- finished reading, it was because self-reliance failed us. Oh, yeah, I knew about that one. Wait, wait. 
great self-confidence, not even self-confidence, great self-confidence, it couldn't solve the fear problem. It was so much bigger than, and maybe I'd be very clear than I. And then, and then, want to talk about enlightenment in a word? Perhaps, perhaps there is a better way. And I love that long line. Every time I see that line, we think so, it stops me. It stops me. We think so. They came together. They saw something that I couldn't see. But we are now on a different basis. But I want to go to something that I I didn't see before. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. I thought it was to play the role that I assigned, not he. And that's what changed. Once the realization came, and look at how it's followed by, just to the extent, that's it. We do as we think he would have us. And by the way, don't ever don't ever think you won't know. You will always know. I always knew when I picked up the bite or the drink or the drug. I always knew. And then here, the clearly and humbly, that's the change. Not on me, on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Oh, I love that. What is calamity? Oh, that would be life. That would be life. Life is filled with so many things. Trips to the hospital, the aging parent, the sister with the heart condition. Oh, you can all match me. With serenity, can we live through it? And can we be there for others? Oh, yes. That's when serenity takes place when the giving to others. Thank you for allowing me this time to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Okay, we'll have Tina next, followed by Leah. Tina, you're up. Thanks, Larry. Uh, Tina has compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. I uh, heard some really great shares. Uh, I'm grateful to be online. And, you know, I too am all about that. Perhaps there's a better way. You know, because self-reliance failed me for many, many years and got me a seat in several 12-step programs. And, you know, the good news is that, you know, we're on a different basis of trusting and relying on God, you know, trusting in, trusting infinite God rather than my finite self. And, you know, I, I have that opportunity. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, okay, you know, we're only on step four here. So how am I even attempting to trust and rely on, you know, a power greater than myself? And that is through the first three steps. You know, I have to do each step as, it, you know, as it's laid out in the big book. You know, I can't just come in here and think I'm going to, you know, take an inventory. You know, I have to do some of this stuff so I can be where they are in the big book, so I can have that experience that I'm, I'm trusting and relying on God. And this is just but a process because we're only on step four. But that's the good news for me today because, you know, I had relied on myself for many, many years, like I said, and, and that just didn't work. And, and I also like what was shared, you know, that we're in the world to play the role he assigns, you know, and, and what that tells me is I don't have to be this person in my inventory anymore. I don't have to be that person. No, I can, but I don't have to. So if I start to trust and rely on a power greater than myself, then I can align my will with God's. And, you know, and for me today, that's the good news. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina. Okay, we have Leah up next, followed by Carol. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service. Just to the extent 
that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Um, You know, we talk about all action is born in thought. And, you know, prior to the program of recovery, I wasn't tethered to anything. (laughs) Um, You know, I... It was it was like I was life you know lost at sea. I uh, was deeply affected by fear. It touched virtually every aspect of my life, and that's not surprising since I didn't have a relationship with God. Um, I wasn't governed by anything other than my own thinking mind, and uh, of course, as my disease continued to uh, pummel me. You know, I I was getting the point that uh, my self-reliance was failing me. And, of course, the fear was increasing because I didn't have anything to rely on. (laughs) I didn't have myself to rely on, and neither did I have any other, uh, you know, anything dominating me, governing me. There was no, you know, northern light or, uh, you know, compass to give me direction. The program of recovery... uh, taught me that I need to understand what the biggest problem with fear is, and that is that, like resentment, it blocks me off from God. So the big book gave me a process how to uh, take care of fear, because just because we get recovered doesn't mean fear doesn't bubble up. But the, the directions are very clear, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us. So here I'm governed by something, governed by the principles of this program, governed by uh, this work that I have to do uh, in step 10 as I continue to live out um, my recovery and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? I mean, we all have, you know, things that happen in life. Uh, You know, a a couple things that uh, stick out for me is, you know, a husband diagnosed with stage four uh, cancer. Uh, Thank God I still have him around today. Um, You know, children that were born dramatically too early. Um, You know, the program of recovery taught me how to live through these experiences and that life isn't about waiting for these storms to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. How do I dance in the rain? How can I be what God wants me to be? Because fear destroys and paralyzes me and keeps me from being the best I can be. The program of recovery, these steps, uh, and learning how to live it in 10, 11, and 12 allows me to uh, be the best I can be under uh, sometimes very challenging circumstances. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have Carol followed by Nessa. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Larry. <laughs> it, hi, it's Carol G. Um, compulsive Overeater, Living a Recovered Life. Um, and thanks, Leah. Dancing in the rain. I'm going to put that in my pocket. Um, fear, I was thinking about fear and self reliance. They just go hand in hand, don't they? It's finite. I'm finite um, and every defect I saw in the resentment inventory that's finite and can all be boiled down to fear and I only see this finite self when I'm setting it on paper when it's rumbling around in my head can't really see it all I feel is the fear Um, and then when the sunlight of the spirit gets its hands on it in step five I see it even more Um, but I was aware today that I'm not just feeling that my own fear that's not just what I'm experiencing I feel the disease's fear 
It's fighting for its life when I take inventory. It's losing its host. It's been living off me like a parasite. And and I guess that makes me question the process. I get more into fear. How am I going to survive without fear to challenge me and motivate me? Um, so God's going to supply the power. And I've been so married to uh, self-reliance. It's unbelievable. The whole, all this role-playing. And now I'm asked to humbly rely on something else. And what really needed to happen for me was I just needed to stop. I needed to get off the self-reliance bus, check my map for directions, go to the book and say, okay, God, what is it that's blocking me from you? Show me, show me, show me, and set it on paper. Because at this point, at any point in recovery, I kind of need more than my own finite trust in God because it is finite at this point. I need an act of God. For me, I needed a connection with God. I didn't need just trust. I just needed a connection. And that's why it's not just a paper exercise. And I follow the instructions. And I can't even do that right. Nearly every one of my sponsors have said to me over the years, that's not what I asked you to do. That's not what the big book says. Between my eyes reading the instructions and my brain processing, something gets lost in translation. So I just have to just be calm, remember that this is not about me, this is about something greater than me that's going to change me from the inside out and it's not necessarily something that I'm going to be doing from my finite self. So wherever you are in the process, I'm with you. Thank you so much everybody and uh, have a recovered day. Thank you, Carol. Okay, we have Nessa. Nessa, it's your turn. Good morning. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. I too want to share on this phrase, much calamity and serenity. And although much has been said, but I love how, um, how the big book manages our expectations. Um, and there's uh, many, there's too much I will know if anybody might be Um, thank you. Um, how, how the big book to, throughout the book manages our expectations and lets us know that um, recovery and the steps do not mean we're going to have a perfect life according to my definition of what a perfect life is. That a close connection with God doesn't mean that I'm going to get my way and everything is going to be, you know, um, sun and roses and beautiful things, um, it means that life is going to happen. There's a, you know, a few quotes here on page 50. Um, it's a beautiful promise. In the face of uh, collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. And then, of course, there's the, um, there's the promise in, in page 100, which we uh, already read uh, this week, that says, you know, follow the dictates of a higher power and you'll presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. So our circumstances may not change. Our circumstances um, might actually get worse. Not everything is going to be positive from our perspective. But it means that I, I will no longer have to compulsively overeat to cope with life. You know, when resentment happens, when fear happens, when calamity strikes, um, I will not have to compulsively overeat as a solution to 
the vicissitudes of life. It means I have a skill set here that I'm learning that I can apply and say, you know, okay, God, what do you expect from me now? It's not what do I need. It's what is needed from, from me in these circumstances. And, you know, um, that's what's going to... Um, that's what's going to enable me to match calamity with serenity. Everything that happens is God's will. And, you know, he's already giving me the capability to cope with life without the crutch of food. And I pass. Thank you so much, Nessa. I think I'll open it up for maybe about three more shares before we move on to Judy F. Who would like to take those spots? Eating or not. Me? Edini, and anybody else? Hi, this is James. Uh, this is Kathy Kay. Okay, I got three people. I got, I'll tell you who I got. Um, I have, and then we'll move on to Judy after this. Um, I have Edini, I have James. We'll throw a guy in the mix, what the heck. I got uh, Kathy Kay. So, Edini, good morning to you. Thank you, Larry, for your lightness and your and your joy in your heart and good morning my spiritual brothers and sisters my name is Edini a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater thank you God always giving credit where credit is due trusting is putting faith into action so by trusting this gives me something back By relying, this gives me something back. By letting go and letting God, I begin to um, be taken care of because I don't shut him out. I am connected to him because I have invited him in. And when I invite him in, he comes with all his light, all his unconditional love, and nourishes me. Nourishes me to what? To not worry. So when I trust, I don't worry. When I trust, I don't have anxiety. When I trust, I'm not living in my darkness because there's light there. Light has pushed out the darkness by trusting. When I trust, I become lighter because I'm putting my, I'm putting him in me and I'm living and breathing his love, his light. And, that, and this is what, he, when he carries me, then I am put in, in, uh, in a peaceful state of being. I surrender, I let go. And letting go is letting go of control and to trust that he will give me everything that I need. And I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Adini. All right, we have James followed by Kathy Kay. James, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is James. Um, I appreciate everything that has been done or said so far. Let me turn this phone off. Okay, I... um, I want to comment on this this part of the read where it says, um, we're in the world to play the role that he assigns or uh, he assigns. 
you know, so often I, I, I think about how I wanted to play the role that I imagined myself in the world to be in, and I wanted to be the director, and I wanted to be the one in control, <clears throat> even though I acted and pretended that um, I didn't. So I, I, was, I, was, I had this dual face in just about everything that I did, was, and said that I could do. It didn't matter if it was an interview, it was a proposal, it didn't matter if it was a relationship. There was this duality that just went about, that there was this undercurrent of, of, of a different motive, a different strikeout and cause that I, I kept secret, and it showed up in, in the failure, obviously. And <clears throat> you know, after, after about the fourth marriage, I finally realized I couldn't do this on my own. After about... <clears throat> about 50 pounds over where I'm at today, I realized I couldn't do this on my own. After making a wreck out of my uh, my personal relationships and um, my family, I realized I couldn't even do that on my own. I couldn't even do the simple things on my own. And I and and this idea of that he matches or that he does he enables us to match calamity with serenity. This is something that he does. You know, I know I know we can read this book and we could try this on our own and I've tried it on my own. But when he does it, it's like I'm no longer afraid and I'm no longer ashamed. I'm no longer ashamed of the past. I'm no, and I use every life's experience that I've experienced as a teaching opportunity. See we're we're all we're all message bearers. And we're all everyone on this call and I, I don't care how how long you've been in the program, how long how much you know and how much you don't know, it doesn't matter. We all carry a message of some sort. And the message that we should be speaking clearly and carrying with, with, with clarity is the message that God is doing a work in our lives. And we have a message of peace and serenity that, that, that goes beyond us just trumping or, or telling people that we have it. It's something that we do, we are. And there's a big difference between being something that you say you are and something that you really are. Um, I and I, I know I'm kind of twisting these words around a little bit just to kind of drill down to a point, but I want to just say thank God for this program, um, thank God for what it's meant for to me, <clears throat> and I've just I, I've come to a place where I just humbly rely on Him for the small things, being very careful not to allow fear to be my motivation, my just cause, or my reaction, because the longer I've sat in fear, the longer I've learned to be successful or temporarily successful in fear. But <clears throat> it's had its own consequences as well. So anyway, uh, with that, I pass, and thank you very much. Thank you, James. Okay, we have Kathy Kay. Good morning, Kathy. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I listen to everyone's shares this morning, um, it became uh, very clear to me that my relationship to fear has changed so much uh, over the years that I've been recovered. And uh, since I came into this program as an agnostic, it took me a really long time to meaningfully answer um or respond to the direction uh, that we we act as he would have us act or we be as he would want us to be. I just did not know what this meant. Um, I did my fear turnarounds in step four and um, 
continue to use the fear turnaround because fear was such a dominant part of my life. And gradually over time, I started to get intuitions when fear came up. I started to get the intuition um, that God wanted me to be compassionate, loving, um, peaceful, in service every moment I could be rather than focused on my self-centeredness. And every time I asked the question, what would you have me be instead, which is the end of the fear inventory, I was able to redirect my thinking to service and humility. Um, It's quite a miracle that this came about, and it came about Uh, entirely by practicing on a daily basis uh, what we're told to do here and trusting because of what I witnessed in others that if I continued to practice, someday I would actually know in my heart what God would want me to be and do. And I'm so grateful that that has come to pass in my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, we're going to move on to the, I'll tell you where we're at. We're on um, page 68, and Judy's going to read from the third paragraph, starting with, we never apologize. I used to never apologize. Judy, 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 you're up, Judy. (laughs) Good morning, Larry. Good morning, morning, Vision for You. Uh, This is Judy F. from Massachusetts, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, grateful. Uh, We never apologize to anyone for depending on our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. Oh, boy, let me uh, just put, uh, set my timer. Um, there we go. So, yes, this powerful paragraph, and this is where um, we get the prayer of the um, removal of fear. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And I notice it's not what I'm doing, but how am I to be? And that's where, and when I did this work in step four and continue to do it in step 10, um, it completes the the fear turnaround that... um, I own the fear, you know, and I bring it to God and then I um, direct and then I trust and rely on him because I know the problem is always that I'm relying on myself and, of course, I'm limited and I can't solve my problems. I can't solve any problems. And God is the solution. So then with the prayer, I ask for him to direct me and to be. And um, what I write out is, um, it's really the principles of I, I am, I am um, calm. I, I am 
patient or I am accepting of the person, if it's um, fear of um, I am accepting of the situation, it's never about remove the situation or what I'm afraid of. It's to remove my fear because the problem is my fear, not on what's going on around me. And that's what I needed. It's, it's within me that is the problem. And that's where God, I can't remove that myself through self-will. That's where God can remove it. And I love it at once. So God doesn't make me suffer through this. At once, I begin to outgrow fear. And that fear outgrow means that um, in some ways it means I'm, I've been immature about it. And so I'm outgrowing it and I'm maturing into fit, believing and trusting in God. And that's where men of faith have courage. A big book uh, teacher, I once um, heard him say that there's two real fears, fear of falling and fear of loud noises. So if anyone, um, any human being is falling or there's a big loud noise, our instinct is, is fear. And he said, everything else is learned. And so that's where it gives me such hope that I can unlearn, I can outgrow my fears because of the power of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Judy. So who would like to share what was read? Kim, Katie G. From Austin. Duell. Okay, tell you what, I think we... Yeah, I got you, Katie. Um, So let's see, I heard Kim, Katie, and Du, and there was the first person, was it Christine? No. Christy? Chrissy. Okay, let's go with the four for now, and we'll see if we have time after that. So I got Chrissy, Kim, Katie, and Du. Chrissy, it's your turn. Hi, I'm Chrissy. I'm a covered compulsive in anorexic from New Jersey, and I am really excited to talk about being free of fear because I, um, I want to live my life according to what my higher power wants of me. In my heart, that's what I want, but then that that thief comes in and robs all of my good intentions and that fear that um, makes me um, really motivates all of my character defects. You know, I start manipulating, controlling situations and trying to um, to navigate life to wrest satisfaction out of managing life well. You know, anytime I'm in that mode, I'm the underlying cause is fear. I may not physically feel the fear, I may even feel energized and um, intoxicated by my mission, you know, to to wrest satisfaction out of life and, and get, get the job done. It's all motivated by fear, I know now, after looking at my inventory. I want um, to control life, and I have this false sense of security when I'm in that mode. And inevitably... Things happen, and of course I can't control it. It's not mine to control. And lo and behold, after the fear, then then comes the fall. And the thing is that I, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because I, I know, my, my ego knows, my disease knows, all the parts of myself know that I cannot accomplish what I'm setting out to accomplish, which is to control life. So inevitably there's a fall. I am so grateful for this program, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Chrissy. So we got Kim followed by Katie. Hey, yo, Kim from Joyzy, South Joyzy. 
Hey, Chicago boy. Good <laughs> morning, everyone. My name is. Oops, I set my alarm. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We ask. Um, I'm sorry. We let him, or we let God, we let power demonstrate through us. That's so huge. I was doing a meditation this week, and it was the idea that you have to remember that we are the water, not the closet. You know, that my job is to let God work through me, and I am not God anymore. Because what we found out in step three is that we're consumed by self. And because I'm consumed by self, I can't access a power outside of myself. I access that power that's greater than myself. You know, on page 55, we learn that the power is deep down within me. So why can't I access that? I can't access that because I can't quiet the calamity and the chatter in my mind. So now we're starting to take action in step four, which is an inventory process of four through nine, where I'm going to learn how to get access to that power. I'm going to quiet that chat in my head. You know, the way that I um, experience these steps today is, I, is four simple things. Um, that's not my noise. I don't know who's making that noise. Sorry. Um, is the, the, the action steps are just a series of prayers, actions, promises, and warnings. So we're being taught prayers here. We're being taught the sick man prayer, the fear prayer. We're going to be taught three relationship prayers. So ask yourself, are you utilizing those prayers or only when you read them in the book are you looking at it? You know, they're asking us to take actions. You know, remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. So what actions am I going to take as a result of these steps? You know, those promises are there to, to, for, as a gauge. Are we experiencing those promises? Because if we're not, there's some work to do prior to the promises. And specifically for me, it's the warnings. There's a lot of warnings in here. You know, specifically, if we don't do this work, we're going to eat again. You know, we have to put all these activities into our daily life. And I love that we're demonstrate. You know, am I demonstrating these principles? Not that I'm reading them and not that I can cite, you know, page and verse. But am I demonstrating? That was a big thing for me when I would get to the end of the process of step nine, is I would say I'm sorry, and I would go back to that same behavior. So am I saying I am wrong and then I'm demonstrating how I'm going to make it right? There's a saying I love that says your actions are so loud, I cannot hear a word that you're saying. So I have to ask myself on a daily basis, you know, am I letting power, God, whatever that is for you, demonstrate through me? So what are my actions today and am I letting that power work through me or am I playing God yet again? And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we got Katie and Du. Let's let's take it over to Boston. Take it away, Katie. Yo, Larry, can you hear me? I can. Hi, it's Katie G. Good morning, recovered compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic. Thanks, guys, for your service. Starting my timer. Um, I find it so, and thank you for everyone who shared so beautifully. I love this community and this teaching. I um, really love that um, we outgrow fear, right? And for me, um, you guys are teaching me how to be a grown-up. Because typically, when I'm having a fear, um, you know, besides the two that were previously mentioned, they are constructed out of my past um, and are not real. They are huge reactions, like I've heard when it's hysterical, it's historical, and I I get hysterical. Um, if you talk to me, I have some deep 
deep-rooted fears that were real and that can feel real in the moment, but they are not true. And so, you know, I love what the previous speaker shared. This isn't about me just identifying the fear. This is about me identifying the fear, okay? I know pretty much my core fears. One of them is fear of abandonment. And to get current, okay, 37-year-old grown-up, you are not being abandoned. God is not going to be, God is not going to abandon you. And when you're alone, you are not alone. You have a relationship with God. And then for me, it is what actions am I going to take? Am I going to allow this feeling to become the primary focus of my day? And when I do, ultimately eating is going to be a step up from myself, right? Because I'm feeling fear and I'm hysterical and I'm calling everybody and I'm saying I'm in fear and this isn't okay and don't you hear me? Or am I going to take actions contrary to the feelings that I'm having? And I'm going to say, okay, Katie, like you, you feel the fear, move forward, go to work, Um call a newcomer i have to tell you because i was born with chronic feeling i felt like i have chronic anxiety the best um antidote for that that fear is to move forward and get off of me i may be kdg from boston and that may be a huge thing in my mind but guess what guys i'm not that important and when i get out of myself and i Remember, it's death of self for successful living. And I call you and I say, how are you? And I forget about the problem. I'm living in a solution that relieves me because right now in this moment, fundamentally all is well. The only time there's a real fear is when I'm clearing out the wreckage of the future. And thank God I am learning how to grow up one day at a time. So I'm going to do it one more day with you guys, shoulder to shoulder. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Okay, wrap it up. Do run, 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 do run, run. Do, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> to our recover compulsive old reader. It's too funny, Larry. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so, you know, um, I, I love this reading today because it really, you know, we, we never apologize to anyone for depending on our creator. And I was one to laugh off, you know, at at the creator being being a weakness, right? Um, to believe in a higher power was too much for me. And what was my biggest fear? My biggest fear was that I'm never going to be saved, that nobody's coming to rescue me. And so for a long, long time, and, and the reason was because I I came from an abusive home and, you know, there was no no one really there to rescue me. Um, and so for a long, long time, what ended up happening is that I became abusive myself. I became abusive to myself with the food. I became abusive to myself with the depression. I became abusive to myself and practicing the same things. Now, my biggest fear was no one's coming to rescue me, so I might as well rescue myself and and so that's for a very very long time i started to practice self-reliance self-dependence you know it was about leaving god out because obviously there was no god to rescue this little girl 
you know. So I practiced that for a very, very long time. But as I got older and this disease took more presence in my life, it started to demolish me. It started to really show me that I needed something greater than myself to believe in because, you know, all the self-knowledge, all the self-conditioning, all the self um, willpower that I had was finite. It wasn't infinite. It, it, it just kept leading me down the wrong path. And finally, I had to take a leap of faith and say, you know, um, am I willing to let go and surrender this fear that I have and have courage to take a leap of faith and try something new? Try something that maybe it, I see it manifest, manifesting in other people and they seem to be getting along. How can I do that for myself? Can I just surrender this and let it go? And so that's when the steps show me the way out. You know, it says instead, let him demonstrate through us what he can do. And we ask him to remove our fears and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And at once we commenced to outgrow fear. And that's what I did. I took a leap of faith. I didn't know how this was going to work out. But, you know, because I took the directions that are outlined in this book, today I have a freedom that I've never, ever had before. And I do trust God. And I do trust this higher power to be working in my life and changing my life in a way that is miraculous, more miraculous than I've ever known. And you know what? Come to realize God was always there. God was always saving me. I just didn't know it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Thanks uh, to everyone who shared. And thanks uh, <clears throat> to Rita P. on the 12 Steps and Janice M. on the 12 Traditions and Linda R., Judy F., and Mary K. W. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And we're going to close, as we do, uh, from a reading uh, from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Mary Kay, are you there? I am, Larry. Thanks. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you. And I